Welcome to Women's Leadership Today. I'm your host, Michelle. We bring you the latest in leadership skills and expertise. Today, I'm happy to have with us Audrey Hopborn. Audrey is a soft skills training facilitator with over 20 years of experience. She works with both global and US-based clients to retool and reskill employees at all levels. Thank you for joining us today, Audrey. Oh, it's my pleasure, Michelle. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Well, to start, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your professional journey? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, I, interestingly enough, didn't wake up one day and say, oh, gee, I'm going to be a a trainer. Uh, (laughs) What had happened was I uh, went to school for art, painting and art history. And if you can imagine uh, the creativity that's involved with that particular topic. Uh, I got a job working at a museum. And what I realized while I was taking people through the museum, they're looking at this art and they're going, gee, you know, I I could do this. (laughs) And I had to educate them about what they were looking at. And what I realized at that time was I was facilitating these conversations about the art and educating them. And it went like, bing, all of a sudden, I'm training them. So uh, I ventured into training with that mindset of educating and making the world a better place for people who were wanting to look at art. And it it was a very uh, strange journey because it wasn't linear. I uh, started my career in ad sales. And after working at the museum, I got a job working with the New York Times doing advertising sales where I was selling ad space to the art galleries. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so, of course, they send you to training, you know, and here I was with that same mindset. Uh, and it just it just went on from there. So I've been doing this for a little over 20 years mostly in the area of leadership training or interpersonal skills, what we now know as soft skills. And I've been doing it here in the U.S. as as well as globally. Very nice. Thank you. Our theme for this month is influence. I'd like to ask, is there anyone who has influenced you in your career? Well, I know that most people would answer that question with, oh, yeah, I had this great manager. I had this great boss. Um, (laughs) Sure. And for me, it, it was a diff, it's a difficult question to answer straightforward for many reasons. Uh, again, just because I didn't start out in, in one special career. Um, in my family, I was sort of the rebel. <laughs> and my dad didn't want me to go into art. He wanted me to be an English teacher, which was the farthest thing from my mind. I wanted a career in art or painting or art history or, or something. And yeah, I was good at writing and, and I still am. And I was good at painting. I just wasn't good enough to become a working artist. So in a lot of ways, I had to inspire myself a lot. Um, 
ultimately I did get my degree in uh, painting and art history. I did work in the museums and the galleries the way I wanted. And that knack that I had for taking people through this, well, looking at things through a different lens, through a different perspective, through a different mindset. Um, so it, it seems like it was this leap from art to training, but in a lot of ways, I was just able to facilitate, I guess, relevant conversations and have these meaningful conversations uh, because I can pivot, because I can think creatively. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess for me, influence, you know, there's a difference to me between influence and inspiration. So I influenced myself. <laughs> Well, my next question actually was going to be, is there someone who inspires you today? It almost sounds like another interview question. Right? <laughs> you get you get asked that question when you're interviewing for a job. And most people say they're parents. Um, influence to me means to affect or to change how something or someone develops or someone behaves or someone thinks. Um, and the, I think the difference between influencing and inspiring is a feeling. It's, it's, tan, it's a tangible feeling. Okay. So inspirational people to me are people who set a goal and do everything that they can to achieve that goal. And, and it takes a lot of self-discipline and it takes mm-hmm. a lot of dedication. It takes a lot of passion to go after your goal. So in that version, I have many people who inspire me. Um, but starting out, I'd have to say that two people come to mind when you ask me that question. Okay. Uh, first is my maternal grandmother. Uh, my maternal grandmother lived till 99 years old. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was the only girl in the family. So we bonded. Um, and she, she ultimately was my best friend. Um, she taught me to stay focused and she taught me to stay goal oriented and go after what it was that I wanted to do rather than follow a path that somebody else laid out for me, namely my father. And there were a lot of obstacles in the way. My dad said um, he wasn't going to pay for art supplies hmm. because it was almost like a punishment. Oh. You, know, you know, he wanted me to be an English teacher. I did take, ultimately take English in college, but um, that way of thinking, the, the don't let anything get in your way mindset, I think greatly contributed it to where I am today. Um, And second, the second person that comes to mind when you ask me that question is my high school art teacher, Mm -hmm. uh, Mrs. Cohen. And she was, wow, she was a force. Uh, She had a way of making art relatable. Uh, We did a whole bunch of field trips and there were projects and she, she was able to thread together different art styles and make it relevant and make it so that you see beyond just the paint on the canvas. 
And that was very inspiring to me. It stuck with me for uh, on so many levels. Um, you know, the painting itself, the 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 style itself, but I think understanding the artist's life and what made them paint the way they did really helped me in my role uh, ultimately as a trainer. It it there was a lot of there's a lot of empathy I think that goes into it, and for that um, I feel very inspired by her as a role model. So those two, and obviously they're women. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for sharing that, Audrey. Of course. Definitely gives us some interesting insight into your, your background. Well, we recently asked our audience to take a quiz called What is Your Influence Style? And we found that most of our audience have a negotiating style. And for our audience members that want to take this quiz still, we will have the link for them uh, in the podcast description. And Audrey, what would you, what would you say is your main influence style? I think a lot of success for women depends on our ability, as you said, to negotiate, um, to influence. You know, you've got direct reports, you've got people with whom you have no direct authority. And the five styles, uh, when I'm doing training on influence, the five styles um, uh, uh, that you mentioned in your quiz, or I'm assuming that are mm -hmm. in the quiz or some assessment, you're going to see rationalizing, you're going to see negotiating, you're going to see uh, asserting, you're going to see inspiring, and you're going to see bridging. And those are the five tactics that are most often used. So if you think about it this way, we all have different influencing styles, or at least different styles um, other than, you know, what other people have. And our tendency is to intensify the influencing style that we have when we encounter people with different styles other than ours. And instead of being mm -hmm. flexible and instead of adjusting our approach to work better with others, we just stick with our default style. And we all have a default style. So this is the style that we're most receptive to. Um, we often influence in the way we liked to be influenced. Okay, so that makes sense. that's why it's important to recognize, and I love the question because it's so important to recognize your own default influencing style, not only of you, but of the person that you're speaking with, and then maybe try to match it. Mm -hmm. So, to answer your question, since there are <laughs> all of these five influencing styles and you use your own, your preferred style, um, mine is the one that I respond to the most and that's called bridging mm -hmm. and bridging is is the way that we use reciprocity we use consultation we use personal relationships so I bring more people into the conversation and I've used bridging as uh, my default style and I, I find that it resonates with most people that I am trying to influence and the, the question is really important, the one you asked, because becoming aware that there are these influencing styles other than yours is a really good start for a lot of women. So good question. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome. And why, why would you say influence is so important for women in the workplace? Um, 
influence is a form of power. Um, you know, we find ourselves in a very male-driven workforce. And women sometimes struggle to leverage their influence. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you look at the world's most influential people, they don't merely change other people's behavior. They help to shift other people's mindsets. So that's why I say it's power. And so the power of influence offers women a way to gain allies, to advance ideas, to earn respect from coworkers, from superiors, from peers in your industry. And influence provides women with the opportunity to contribute, to deliver expertise, to earn recognition. It, it really does help clear the path to any kind of uh, aspirations that you have for leadership. So ultimately, I think for women, it's a tool that we can use to get things done. And it's important to note that women oftentimes want different things than men do. Okay. And, and are confronted with so many barriers that men don't have to face. And women are typically the ones that are encouraged to adapt or change mm -hmm. if you want to progress. And what comes to mind for me, and, and I think this is, I think it's relevant. I hope it's relevant. There was, <laughs> there was, there's a story. I remember, I remember this story where there was a woman who was seeking a promotion. She wanted to be a director. And she was uh, interviewing with a, a male vice president. And uh, she asked the vice president with whom she would re ultimately report to if she got the job. She asked, in six months time, how will you measure whether or not you were successful in the appointment of who gets this promotion? which hmm. I thought was a really good question. That's a great question. And the VP answered really simply. He said, when the executive team comes to you for the answers rather than bringing everything to my attention. Oh, wow. That's good. And so that's another way of saying that the new director will have developed influence within the company. And and the end of the story was ultimately she did get the job. So, yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that kind of goes along with uh, something that we've talked a lot about in our podcast and our webinar programs. Uh, our audience will often hear us say that uh, you don't need to be a manager to lead and not all managers are leaders. Mm -hmm. And so, Audrey, how would you say that influence ties in with that? Oh, right. Yes. Absolutely. You do not have to be a C-suite executive to have influence at work because a title doesn't make you a leader. Exactly. Right. right. Um, there, you know, if we look at um, challenges and, and according, if you, if you read anything at all, if you're a lifelong reader, learner, like I am, mm. according to the Harvard Business Review, 
there are two common challenges that we face as women when attempting to influence without authority. And the first is being so focused on your own functional silo that you have trouble networking. And then the second is dealing um, uh, pressure to deal with uh, work matters um, that are more urgent than the long-term projects in, in, in terms of building relationships. So you focus more on your projects. And I think for a lot of women, skills like being assertive and being self-aware are all tools that we can use to influence mm -hmm. people around us, but in an authentic way. And I think that the word authentic, being authentic. And I find that many women feel the need to hide their talent or, or, um, or they, they end up losing their authenticity is what I'm saying. So okay. if people can relate to you, and that's why relationships and networking are so important. If people can relate to you and you can get out of your silos, um, most of the time, those people are more willing to work with you, negotiate with you, respond to you, or work, or, or work on your behalf. So it's finding that common ground. Um, influence doesn't come from position. It comes from, and, and I'll use the word empathy again, it, can't, it comes from really being genuine and caring about the people around you. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And how does one go about laying the groundwork to be able to effectively influence those around them? Um, I think influence starts with credibility. Okay. I think it starts with establishing trust. It's building those connections uh, so that you can share your ideas. Um, I like I like to ask for uh, uh, feedback on any ideas that I might have. I make sure that, I think for women, it's making sure that everyone is heard because mm -hmm. you can't influence someone without some kind of relationship. Um, Very true. So you had asked me about my journey and the mm -hmm. last corporate job that I held was as a director of training for a large uh, communications company here okay. in New York. And one of the very first acts that I undertook as a director of training was to put a large jar of candy on my desk. <laughs> and I decided that was my way to gain in the first thing that I needed to do was be visible. Um, so I decided that a way to gain influence was to first be visible. It was a very male dominated company. Um, I also scheduled a lot of uh, small introductory meetings with all of the department heads and the other leaders. And at the end of each meeting um, in their offices, I invited them to my space where I had the candy. And I said, you know, anytime, you know, you want to stop by. And a lot of people did, which again, helped me build those relationships. Uh, being reliable comes to mind. Um, your commitment speaks volumes about you and um, and you could be just as influential uh, uh, with your opinions. Um, you you want to advocate for your own ideas, you want to build consensus. Um, and that's where that bridging style 
uh, has really helped me a lot mm -hmm. to assert influence and help produce results, which in turn increases your influence because you've been successful. Um, consistency also comes to mind. Um, when people don't feel that they can count on you, you know, uh, they won't trust you. And the That's impulse true. for a lot of women is to assimilate. And then what happens is we end up abandoning um, or at least concealing what I think is our authentic self. And then what happens when you leave behind your authentic self is you leave behind your, your talent that goes with it. Um, so, so those are the things I think are important. So in that regard, how does one simultaneously you talk about assimilating, blend in or adapt to the existing culture while maintaining their authenticity, which you talked about as being kind of a cornerstone of developing influence. Yeah, the, the idea of being assertive and, you know, women are, are touted as, um, well, we, we can get into the whole bias thing, but being assertive, if you have an opinion, have confidence to say so. And that in that way, you're not hiding your authentic self. If you don't have an opinion, I think it's really important to just ask questions and to mm. be curious. And I think too, take some manageable risks. Um, a lot of times we are stopped in, you know, dead in our tracks for one reason or another, but I would encourage, uh, you know, others to, to, to think about risk. And, and I think that's a key aspect of being an influential leader is being able to, to take that manageable risk. Hmm. Okay. And I'd like to ask you a little bit more about your, your own experiences, Audrey, and your career what barriers have you experienced or have you seen women face in developing influence in the workplace? I'm sure you've heard a lot of great <laughs> stories. Too. Well, I certainly have. And I, I certainly have my own. And of course, the first thing that comes to mind is gender bias and stereotyping. Um, mm, that, that blatant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, the story that I'll share is, as I mentioned, uh, the last corporate job that I held was as director, the organization that mm. I work for was very male-centric, very testosterone-centric. All the positions were held by men. Okay. And um, I was the only female director. And, uh, uh, you know, all, everyone else, and you're going to be astounded with it, everyone else had offices. All the men had offices with closed rooms. I had a cubicle. Oh, wow. And... Um, <laughs> I was, my title was director of training. So here, here we have the men, you know, stopping by for candy, right? In my <laughs> cubicle. And they would say, hey, teach. Or teach, come here. I'm not a teacher. My title was director of training. So that was one. Another was, um, I was not included in any outings. And golf, especially. Um, um, I have, and Michelle, I've been playing golf since I was seven years old. Just oh wow! Oh. So I was good. I was really good. And and if I was asked to be part of an event through one of the VPs or the president, oftentimes 
this is not going to surprise anybody. It was to coordinate the event or to take notes at the event. Oh, wow. And my ideas were oftentimes co-opted by my male boss as his idea. Um, if I tried to speak up, well, I did speak up. It's not that I tried to speak up. Uh, when speaking up or when mm -hmm. I disagreed, I was summarily, summarily dismissed or told to be quiet. Um, I, I remember I attended an event where one of the directors, another male director, uh, it was an offsite and he bought a whole bunch of drinks for the employees. Uh, and then three of the employees, because they were drinking so much, ended up falling down drunk. And getting oh, lovely. Hurt. Yeah. And, and so the reason that I'm sharing that story is because the next day we had a major training event and they arrived late for the event. Um, they, they came in bruised and battered. And so I went to HR and they investigated and nothing happened except me being told to mind my own business. Mm. So women face a lot of barriers, um, not being included, you know, the golf outings, the events, at, you know, at drinks after work. And a lot of times, um, we need to walk a very fine line between these opposing sets of expectations that we have of us. So you're the director on one hand, you know, with a title, but you're mm -hmm. a woman. And so to be accepted, to be able to influence is, it's a very fine line. You have to act like a leader and act like a woman. <laughs> Bit of a double so, standard, isn't it? <laughs> Very much so. You know, a male leader is usually, oh, very decisive and powerful and strong and author authoritarian. And women in leadership roles face very different expectations. So I've seen that in my own journey. And I've seen that with other women that I, that I coach. And unfortunately, I know, we know, don't we, that you're not alone in your no. uh, in these experiences, no. but that's why we're so excited to um, have conversations um, with with experts like you to help us navigate this this journey. And Audrey, as we uh, start to wrap up here, what would be your top suggestions? for women wanting to expand their influence. I mean, you gave us a lot of great tips today, wow. but as you know, as we, we walk away from today, what are some of the, the top things that uh, women should uh, strive for, would you say? Hmm. I'll put you on the hot well, seat. Well, yeah, yeah certainly, <laughs> certainly more than one comes to mind through this, you know, valuable conversation that we've been having. But I think, I think a lot of women doubt themselves. So if you're mm. clear on your values, if you're clear on your goals, if you're clear on your points of view, um, you could certainly be more influential and at least plan your approach to being influential. I think it's important to always look for chances to form new relationships and to strengthen the ones that already exist because we can't do it alone. I think um, uh, developing your skills and your knowledge to the point that you, you're the subject matter expert 
So you could be mm, like that one. You could speak up when necessary. And I think language too. Um, a lot of um, the language uh, we use, um, we can learn a little bit by removing the word just. Oh, I'm just starting out. Oh, I'm just a receptionist. Or oh, I I'm, see. I'm just in middle management. And every time we use the word just to describe what we do and who we are, we're giving people permission to expect less from us. I was going to say, it's a word that minimizes, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I also think being a lifelong learner, I love the idea of the podcasts that you're doing. I oh, think TED Talks are important. Mm -hmm. um, there were three books for me that uh, were, uh, that are on my bookshelf. Um, one is called The Influence Effect, um, A New okay. Path to Power for Women Leaders. That's one. Um, Women of Influence, mm -hmm. um, Nine Steps to Establishing Your Brand, I think it is. And then How to Thrive and Survive as a Working Woman. So those are the three books that are on my bookshelf. Um, those are great titles. <laughs> I love yeah. even just the titles. <laughs> well, you know, people look at you and they decide how competent you are in what? Milliseconds. Mm -hmm. So we need to do everything that we can, not only to adjust our words, our body language, but our, our minds and our mindset. So that, those are my recommendations. And I like what you said, keep learning, always be yeah. learning. <laughs> Which is why this podcast is so great. Well, thank you. I was really have fun. Well, Audrey, this has been a real pleasure having you today. So thank you so much again for, for joining us and sharing your experiences and your insights. It's my pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. And thank you to all of our listeners. This is Women's Leadership Today. Make sure to join us next month when we'll be focusing on trust as our theme for October. And you can now watch us on YouTube and listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere uh, podcasts can be found. And make sure to like, comment, and subscribe, you know, to comment and subscribe today. And you can follow along with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest as well. All right. Thank you again, Audrey. And thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you for listening. Progressive Women's Leadership is passionate about providing the best tools to help you reach your fullest potential. Visit us today at ProgressiveWomensLeadership.com for access to workshops, articles, e-guides, and much more to help you further develop your skills and advance your career.